Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Clint. I'm filling in for Pastor Allen because he's out uh, helping his brother build something or whatever he does best. And so um, I'm excited to be here today. Uh, the way it's going to work is we're going to have this one message, uh, this No God message. And then next week we're excited to, to jump into a new series um, uh, for our city. So if you remember last year we had some service projects, a prayer walk and all that stuff that we did last year. Uh, there will be a lot of cool things that are going to be happening with that new series. Um, but, but, but today's message, I want to start off with uh, asking some questions, okay? And so, have you ever wondered what it would be like to know God like you know your best friend? And if you're going to do that, you're going to have to answer a few other questions, right? Who is God? What is He like? How do I know Him? Or how can I know Him? Does God even want me to know Him? You know, there's entire religious systems out there that their God doesn't want to know them personally, but our God does. Uh, how, would you, how would knowing God change your life? That's a huge question, right? How could knowing God or maybe knowing God better change your, my life? And so the truth is I'm going to answer one of those first questions right off the bat. God wants us to know him. He longs for us to know him. Because he knows everything about us, right? He knows if we're happy, if we're sad, uh, if we are angry. He knows that deepest, darkest sin that we would never tell anybody. God knows all those things, but yet he still loves us. That's kind of, that kind of let that sink in for a second. Think about if you knew all the bad stuff that somebody did, could you love them? Their rap sheet, we could say. But yet God still loves us. He wants us to know him. He wants to be part of our life. And so uh, what are some ways that we think we, we know God, right? Uh, when I originally taught this message two years ago, I did it at our student uh, ministry. And student ministry, you know, works a little bit different, right? So I get to ask this question, and then I get to hear all the uh, answers. And so with adult church, we don't do that. So I've got some answers for you. I want to give you uh, as we go, right? So uh, obviously praying, that's how we get to know God better. Uh, and praying is just that conversation with God. Sometimes we may overthink that. Uh, going to church, right? That's coming and, and doing life together, but also hearing God's word and implementing it in our life. That's how we know God better. Reading the Bible, that's God's love letters. If you've been around me anytime or you've heard me preach, I say that all the time because I believe it's true. You, don't, you won't know God's plan for you, God's future for you, God's intentions for you, if you're not reading his love letters. And that's the Bible. And that's the case even if you're in a relationship, right? If you don't read those love letters, it's not going to work. And so, reading the Bible. And the other one is alone time with God. Alone time with God. Sometimes we think like, oh, that's weird. So we're going to talk more about that as we go through the service so that everybody understands that a little better. Maybe you grew up in church, right? You went to church, you went to Sunday school, you were, it was exciting. I like Sunday school, okay? I didn't grow up in church, but I've been to a few Sunday schools, and it's nice. Like, you get to color something, and you get to have a snack. But then when you become an adult, it's like, where's the snack? And if I color, I look like I'm not paying attention. So uh, it's not as interesting now, maybe, as you have become longer in your life or going to church for a while. Or maybe you've recently begun to follow Jesus, or you've been following Jesus for a little while, and you, you can remember back when you first started believing in Jesus and following him. Reading the Bible was exciting, right? You dove in. It was like, man, I can't wait to pray and talk to God and all that stuff. But over time, 
it's just not as exciting anymore. For many of us, we experience that. Or maybe you're here today and you don't even think about God. You don't even know God. You don't, he's never really crossed your mind. And you don't know much about him. Or what you do know is just based on what you've seen in sitcoms or uh, you know, TV or movies or, or popular uh, culture about God. So you're probably thinking, time with God, what does that even mean? Alone time with God? How do I spend time with someone who physically is not there? Right? Those are, that's a legitimate question. And I think no matter where we're at in, in one of those three circumstances, we can still understand that spending time with God sometimes can be difficult. And it need, it can, it need a lot from us. And so there's different reasons why we may not want to spend time with God, why we struggle with this. Uh, one of them is it could be, we might think it's boring, right? When I think of the word quiet time with God, that kind of reminds me of like kindergarten, okay? A little bit of transparency here. If, and we've got a lot of teachers in our church. I was the worst student in the class, okay? So quiet time, to me, was like virtually impossible. Uh, but I think of kindergarten, I think of like nap time, right? And so that's boring. I don't want to do that. And so when I think of that term, Quiet time, sometimes I think of that, and you may think that way too. Maybe you think you're too busy, right? Our lives go a million miles an hour between work, school, family, that to-do list that never gets done. I mean, think about that. We just had like, a lot of us had some extra time on our hands because this whole pandemic thing. How many of us got our list done? We didn't really get our list done probably. Some of you did. You're amazing. I I wish I was you, but uh, most of us, we did not right? And so we're busy. So that's our excuse. I don't have time for God. I can't spend time with God because I am too busy. And then uh, there is, it doesn't work, right? Spending time with God, you may feel like it's just not effective. I prayed, I read my Bible, and I just don't know if he's there. I don't know if he's listening. Or I prayed, I read my Bible, I went to church, and I still heard about that diagnosis of that family member, or that car still broke down, whatever, right? We, sometimes we just feel like, God, it's just not working. And so I want to give you an opportunity to know what spending time with God looks like, some examples of that, okay? And so, because really that comes down to, uh, it's not a new problem. The early church even struggled with what it looked like to to connect with God and spend time with Him. And for them, what they thought it was, was this strict religious formula. That's how they thought it was to connect with God. So you had to go to church every week, you had to pray every day, and you had to follow all these religious traditions that they had in the culture. And they thought that was the only way to connect with God. And many of us may have heard those things growing up, like, or we've heard that about Christianity. It's just about rules, it's about this and that, and that's how God connects with someone. But actually, there's more to it, right? And I want to give you two places you can start. No matter where you're at in your walk with Christ or your journey, or you don't even have one, you can still start in these two places. And so the first one is, know God through creation, all right? So there was a, name, a guy named Paul. He was a founder of the, of the early church. He wrote most of the New Testament. Uh, he taught believers, and he was a believer of, of Jesus himself. And he, he writes a letter to a, a group called the Romans, a church that he started. And, and they were debating about this. They were saying um, they assumed that you had to do all the strict religious stuff in order to be connecting with God. And so he t- addresses this uh, and says it doesn't have to be all about the churchy things. 
And so it's pretty awesome. Uh, so it's Romans 1, 20. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and, provide, and His divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Let me repeat that part. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Creation, just stepping outside or even looking at your neighbor and seeing how amazingly made they are, right, points to the fact that God exists and that He's amazing. We can learn so much from that. And so I would say that uh, what, what, what Paul is doing is basically he's leveling the playing field so that everybody can know that there's no way to avoid God. Right? All you got to do is walk outside. Think about the, uh, the massiveness of the ocean, the depths of the ocean, right? The, the beauty of a sunset. What happened, though, later in this, in this chapter, and we won't cover it today, but he actually goes on and says that what happened was throughout cultures, and you can see this with every ancient culture, subculture, anything, they began to worship creation and not the creator. They began to be confused, and, and so he's gonna, he's, he says this first so that they can address those things, that there is no excuse for not knowing God, at least from that way. So what you can do is you can go outside and you connect with God in that way. Uh, so it's not just about reading the Bible. It's not just about praying. It's not about just going to church or whatever you think that churchy thing is. There's other ways to know God. It doesn't all end the moment you close your Bible or the moment you say amen. That's not when you stop connecting God with God. You can do it throughout the day because God is everywhere, right? He wants you to see him. He really cares. Jesus spoke about creation to help people understand that God loved them, that he cared for them. That's in Matthew 6, 26-32. He says, Consider the birds of the, of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? That's a whole other message in itself, right? And why do we worry about clothes? Observe the wild flowers of the field as they grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon and all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he be more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry about saying, what will I eat, what will I drink, or what will I wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So looking at creation helps us understand that God cares about us, Right? That's what, that's what Jesus is doing here. So Jesus is great. He's the greatest storyteller, teacher ever, right? And, and uh, if you have a job that you teach, you can always go off what Jesus did, right? Because he's the best. Um, but what he did was he looked around and he said, hey, by the way, there's some flowers, there's a sky. Like he's, he's going based on what they saw. And he said, God takes care of these things. Of course, he's going to take care of you because you're more valuable than these things. And so what we learn about God from that situation is that God values us greatly. Maybe today you don't feel valued, you don't feel loved. This passage is telling you God has you on his mind. He does value you. He does love you. 
We also know of his power, his mercy. He, he didn't just, you know, some people believe that God just uh, put this big rock that we're on and spun it around and said, good luck. I hope it all figures out. That's not how God did this, right? It's very clear in this passage where Jesus is telling us that God has a hand in everything, that God is in control. So next time when you go outside, just look around, and I want you to ask yourself this question. Does, what does this say about God when you look around? So when you see creation, maybe when you're sitting at work bored and you've got some of those awesome things that go across your screen like walls, you know, wallpapers or whatever, and they're landscaped, look at it and say, what does this say about God? What does this say about God? So the second thing I said I'll give you two, and the second thing is worship helps us know God better. So worship, you know, when we think about worship, we often think about music, right? And uh, we were blessed today to have the technology to be able to put service on, even though our, our praise band was, uh, was out. And so that was a good thing, uh, that we were still able to worship in that way. But worship is actually more music, right? You can worship all the time with God. We say that offering is part of our worship. Uh, when, we, when we listen to teaching, that's part of our worship. When we're sitting in alone in the car, screaming our head off or praising God, right? And just crying, maybe. That's what I like to do. Um, that's worship, whenever it's, it's point toward, pointed toward God. And so, worship helps us know God better. So I want you to think about music, though. We're going we're gonna to say worship's way bigger than music, right? But we're going to talk about music today when we talk about worship. worship. Music makes us feel things. It makes us remember things. I mean, remember your first kiss, right? Maybe that perfect eight track was playing. I don't know how old you are. Your record or whatever you were, right? Fill in the blank. Uh, playlist. And you remember that first kiss. And maybe you're like, well, why did that kiss that person? But anyway, and then there's that road trip, right? That was the, it was the best mixtape of your life. And you remember everything that went wrong or went great on that road trip when you hear that, that song, right? Or those songs. Or maybe it's wedding when you had that first dance and you remember how your spouse looked and, and you, you remember how proud your dad was and, and how much your mom cried and how embarrassing that was. Or whatever, right? You can remember it with music. Or maybe it's that crazy breakup. You listen to that one song 5,000 times, right? And you ate, like, so much ice cream you're never going to tell anybody about. Uh, at least that's what they do in the, you know, romantic comedies anyway. Um, and so now when you hear that song come on, you're like, turn it off. I don't want to hear that. Or maybe you're like the other way, and you're like, uh, I wonder what that person's up to these days. Dangerous t- territory, possibly. So, and then movies use music all the time, right? So you know... A certain song, like the Rocky song, like I Have a Tiger, or the song in Titanic, in a steamy car scene, or whatever. Like there's something weird that you just comes to your mind when you hear a certain song. And mo- so movies use music to score uh, that way. In movies, movies use music to score things so that you can connect with them emotionally and remember things to have that point. And that's true about worship too, right? So we use music and services. We don't do it because it's tradition. We do it because worship is the vehicle that drives our heart to get closer to God. All right, let me say that again. Worship is the vehicle that drives our hearts to a place where we can get deeper in a relationship with God. 
So it prepares us to be able to hear a message. It it opens up our hearts. Emotionally, we're ready to experience God in a a new way. And so worship is important. And this verse that I'm going to share with you, these couple verses, I think if you look at them this way, they are a challenge. Sometimes when we're reading through the book of Psalms, maybe you read a psalm a day or whatever you do, and you're like, oh, you just read through it. But this actual thing, I want you to re- listen to it and think of it as a challenge. This is the verses. It says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. When was the last time you could really say your worship experience was like that? I hope that it's on a regular basis. Uh, but it's just the fact that you gave your entire heart, your, all your being was poured and you emptied yourself. In worship. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. Psalm 103, 1 and 2. So what I'm thinking there is when it's hard to connect with God, when it's hard to find that time to be with him, that may be the exact time that you need to start worshiping. The exact time that you need to turn on that favorite worship song of you, whatever format it is. And just get ready to spend time with God. To empty yourself so that you can. So this week, what I would like for you to do, kind of the homework part that we usually have, is go outside, of course, and see creation. But also make a point this week to find one or more things that you can worship God about. And let me give you some ideas. His mercy. His grace. His power. His control. His forgiveness. His salvation. I mean, can you imagine? What if we just spend 10 minutes a day thinking about how great our salvation is? How much forefront it would be in our hearts and our minds. And when the next opportunity to share and talk about it would come, we would be ready to because we've already thought about it. And at last, I'll finish with this. Worship starts with relationship. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites, that's who... The Old Testament's written about, had an issue because they would constantly go through the motions of sacrifice and worship, and, and God used language like, he called it poison and vomit, because they were going through the motions. Their heart wasn't in it. He doesn't want that. That's not appealing to God. That's not pleasing to God, because worship without a relationship is not worship. It's going through the motions. It's like singing... Um, the alphabet song. It's not emotional, right? There's, there's no connection there. It's, it's, it's good for learning, but that's about it. Worship starts with relationships. So today, what I would like for us to do is I want to connect you with God if, if, if God will allow that. If you've, never know, if you've never actually said, I know God, I have a personal relationship. If you can't say that, today's the day to start one. If you're listening today and, and on Facebook Live and, and you never have actually given your life to God, maybe you've come to church and, and you've done all those things, but you don't know him, today's the day to do that. I'm going to ask that everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. And if that's you, you don't know God and you want to know God, let me lead you in a prayer. And this prayer doesn't save you. It's not magic words, but it's you having the opportunity to cry out to God to acknowledge the fact that you are a sinner. And for that, you need forgiveness. And that you realize that God didn't just leave you 
without a rescue plan. He sent Jesus to come and die for us on the cross to pay our sin price. And that you offer forgiveness for our sins and a relationship with God. And so if you're here today and you need to do that, say something like this. Say, God, I'm a sinner. I don't, I don't know you, God, but I want to. I know I've got this sin in my life. Just come and forgive it. Forgive it all. I'm giving my life to you. I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that he, he rose again, and, and I want to trust him with my life. Jesus, I don't have all the answers, but I want to learn to love you back. Now, if you're here today or you're online and you prayed that, the Bible says that all of heaven celebrates with you if you really gave your life to Christ. And so we would love to hear from, about that. If you're here in the crowd today with no one looking around, just raise your hand. Let me know that you uh, did give your life to Christ. And I, I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you, obviously. Or if you want to let us know afterwards, that's awesome too. We would just love to know. And, and if you're here today and you do know Jesus, you do know Jesus, you want to know him better, which I hope, my hope and prayer is that everyone falls in that category. We want to know him better. I want you to take some time right now and just talk to God. And say, God, I need you more. God, it's not that I want to know more about you. I want to know you better. Help me, Lord, to, to know you better. Help me, Lord, to have the desire to know you better. We'll give you a second to, to talk to God, and, and then we will close with prayer. God, we just lift you up. It really just humbles me and amazes me that you even want to know me. I have nothing to offer you, God. There's nothing good about me, God, but, but you still love me. And that's true about all of us, God. And I pray that well, we would recognize that and we would long to know you more. That we would be the first thing, that, that you would be the first thing we think about, God. And God, I pray that there's somebody right now in our lives that doesn't know you. And God, I pray that we will have the opportunity to share you with them. And the boldness and the conviction that it takes to do that, God. Help us as a church be more sensitive and long for the opportunity to share your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.